Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast in partnership with the awesome Najahi events. If you haven't checked them out, then go check out the Najahi Tribe, a new online platform that's been created for content creators that want to bring value to their clients. If you want to teach stuff or you want to learn stuff, that's a great place to go. So go check out the Najahi Tribe. It's literally just been launched a few days ago. Okay, today's guest on the show. For me, it's like, let's understand what's going on with coronavirus, one thing, but let's understand how business are impacted, but also what advantages there are right now in the marketplace, what you can do, what opportunities exist. And on today's show, I've got a really special guest to go through exactly that. Let's talk all things media. Right, cue the music. So today's guest on the show is the awesome Tom Ottom. He's the founder of the Create Media Group. It's a fast-paced digital communications agency. That sounds swanky, doesn't it? Okay, he's based here in <laughs> Dubai, works with clients such as Emirates Airlines, Expo 2020, so we'll discuss that, and Dubai Tourism. In 2019, they were recognized by Adweek as one of the fastest-growing agencies in the world. Wow, that's awesome. He spends his spare time doing crazy, stupid, nutter stuff. Okay, let's just, you know, if anyone doesn't know what the marathon decides, is go check it out because if anyone does it once they're mad to do it twice they must be insane but thank you so much coming to join us on the show tom otten thank you very much for the invite mate it's um it's an absolute pleasure to be here i'm so looking forward to yeah to having a chat today and seeing what value we can add excellent stuff good right so you're a media guy so you probably understand social Mm. media marketing digital advertising all that kind of stuff is that that your baby that, that is the area that we're in. Um, so we're a 10-year-old uh, digital communications agency. So uh, web development and social media management are two of the key pillars in the business. Uh, we built that out into, a, into a, um, a fully-fledged content production team as well. So uh, we're able to produce the content, then uh, fit with the communities that we build through social. Um, and that's what we've been doing for the last 10 years. So we've uh, built up to a team of uh, about 86 people now uh, based across Dubai, um, Abu Dhabi, and also an office in Saudi. So yeah, that's, um, that's what we're doing. So hopefully any questions around that, we can, we can jam on it, we can get into it, we can uh, discuss how Corona is affecting both us, uh, SMEs in Dubai, and also you know, a few of the lessons that we're, that we're learning along the way, and also a few of the things we've picked up just from keeping our ear to the ground um, across, the, across the industry. You look barely 25 years old, so how on earth did you start <laughs> a business 10 years ago? What were you, 15? Did you just leave school? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 37, but thank you. <laughs> How are you? Well, <laughs> you're wearing it well. You're wearing it well. Okay, so let's let, let's start then. Let's deal, deal with the hot topic of the moment, Corona. Um, mm. Obviously, we've just been uh, been told we're on 24-hour lockdown here in Dubai, and Corona yeah. really um, is 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 something that none of us uh, saw coming. I think that most people wouldn't in December have even known where Wuhan was in China. Um, let alone that there was uh, an outbreak there that was going to affect the world in the way that it has. From your perspective, how do you see things and uh, the impact of this virus on the business community? I think there's a, a few different uh, ways to, to look at this. If we look at, let's say, the SME sector across Dubai now, there's um, different industries, different verticals are, are affected in, in very different ways. I've got friends that run businesses that are in the hospitality sector, the F&B sector, that are a lot harder hit than, than we are. They've literally had to shut their doors. Um, some of them with hundreds and hundreds of staff that they've had to you know, ask to go on, on unpaid leave and they're in a very difficult and different situation. Um, 
in that space, it, uh, it is very difficult to know what to do because revenue has gone from whatever it might have been to, to, to zero. And you've got to then navigate um, many different areas of, of running the business with, with zero revenue coming in. And from our, in our position in our industry, uh, comms is still vitally important. And in some areas, in some uh, industries that we work in, in terms of our client base, uh, we're, we're now more valuable than ever. And other clients, not so much, and therefore they'll be putting accounts on pause uh, and we'll be feeling effects in, in different ways. So from, from our perspective, they're, they're, we're, we're spread um, across different verticals. And like I said, we do a lot of government work. And right now, the government has to be telling, um, informing in many, many ways. We work with, let's say, Dubai Tourism. We work on the, the business side of uh, Dubai Tourism called Dubai Business. Um, so we're helping communicate the, uh, the stimulus packages, for example. What does that mean for SMEs? What, how do we break that down, those larger documents? How do we break it down into infographics and, and real snackable, usable content? So um, in some areas, we're, we're very, very busy. In other areas, obviously, there's been a bit of a dip because the hospitality sector, let's say, is, isn't it uh, isn't so busy but in terms of uh, like rather than talking about us or you know a wider view on on how things are going with regards to to covid what we're hearing from a lot of um you know some of our clients and also you know friends that are in that are in uh, sort of leadership positions in different businesses they don't know how to communicate right now they're not sure what to say they're not sure what to do should they go quiet um, some brands have just gone completely dark and other brands um have taken a different tack and you know trying to push push messaging and from our side, it's, it's absolutely critical that they get this, this next bit that I'm about to say, that they get this right. It's, it's the action that they're taking, but it's also the tonality of the, of the action that they're taking. It has to be exactly spot on. So if you come across as, um, let's say, trying to cash in or uh, in any way uh, not empathetic to the environment that you're communicating in, if, we don't get, if you don't get that right as a brand, it can, it can seriously damage uh, a lot of the work that you'll have done building up that brand equity to now. So it's, it's understanding that even if it's a campaign that you've been working on for months and months, if it was relevant six weeks ago, it's not necessarily relevant today. And I'd say to the extent that it's probably not relevant today if you've been working on it for the last few months. So it's about throwing everything, um, everything out that's not completely on point with the messaging that needs to be communicated right now. So all of your messaging has to be relevant and it has to be appropriate. And then also breaking down, going through the different areas of the communications right now. Let's, let's take, um, I'll give you an example. I, I received an email just a few days ago about, um, it was, I think it was on Wednesday, about a brunch on Friday here in Dubai. Now, I then got an email about an hour later from the same company with a long, a long email essay apologizing for the previous email because they had, they'd automated their systems and they'd, and they'd obviously that email had gone out through automation to invite people to a brunch, which clearly wasn't on. So that's a, that's a big mistake from a company to do that. Now the, the company was quite small, smaller local brand. They can get away with it. If a larger brand does that, you no, know, an international brand does that by, for example, um, continuing to run paid media ads through social for a campaign or driving uh, let's say KFC, they had to pull all of their ads for their finger licking good campaign for obvious reasons. They can't be telling people to lick their fingers during a time of COVID. So it's about understanding the relevance of your messaging during times of uh, you know, pandemic, crisis, uh, and understanding and making sure that you're empathetic in terms of your messaging as well. How, how do companies need to, to play this out based around the fact that there are, there are different thoughts and different opinions right now? I, I mean, I, I believe that the, the virus is a serious issue, but I believe that the economy and the impact of the economy 
will come to a point where the, the kind of the axis will cross where mm. the impact of the economy getting to where it could go could be more threatening and more dangerous to us than, than the actual virus. So how do, how do companies deal with that? Look, I, I can see your perspective and, and look, there's, there's certainly two, there's two areas of focus right now, isn't there? There's, there's the economic impact and there's, let's say the, the, the health impact um, on, on us as individuals. I think we're going through different phases of this crisis and right now, um, Everybody's on lockdown, but let's say when we say certainly talking about uh, where we are here in Dubai, um, but many countries around the world are in different levels and different layers of lockdown. Now, that means people's needs, wants and desires are very, very different right now than they were six weeks ago. So in terms of how a business positions itself, see, there's, there's, there's one train of thought, which I don't think is, is, is correct. In the SME sector, a lot of people, and we, I wouldn't say we've had it, but I've certainly had stories from from friends of mine that are, that are running businesses that because all this is going on, people are asking for huge reductions um, in pricing for everything, or can you not offer this for free? Now, the problem being is going back to our, our two different conversations. So yes, you know, people are scared. Um, it's, it's very important to be empathetic, but at the same time, an organization still needs to make money because it still needs to provide for the community that it has internally. Let's say we have you know, 80 plus people, um, that we need to look after and they've got their families and their families and that's the same for for all businesses when we talk about let's say the more macro view that you mentioned there between like the, let's say the, the the this axis between the healthcare issue and the economic issue the problem being which i think is quite unique in this environment now is that yes at some point if we keep going down this route of, of complete lockdown we will be causing more and more and more damage to the economic conversation however I don't see I don't see how we can not because if we pivot away from that and say right well we have to reopen for example because um, we reduce the lockdown measures because the economy is getting so damaged uh, yes but if people get sick and they can't go to work and, and deaths increase then we're still not going to be able to deliver on the economic side so I think it still has to stay as a core focus on the healthcare side and the healthcare pandemic and the economy just we're just going to have to make do until we're in a position where we can deal with this whether that be through vaccine, whether that be through the antibody tests that they're, 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 they're leading with in the UK um, or any other me method that um, uh, the authorities come up with. We need to fix this before we can fix that. We just hope that there's not too much damage to the economy um, before we're able to work out how to fix this healthcare pandemic. 75% of the population live paycheck to paycheck. Hmm. And lots of people being made redundant and losing their jobs, as you know. And yes. if people live paycheck to paycheck, there's only so long they can survive before they, they get into a position where there is literally nothing left. And so what hmm. you typically find is, well, they'll get to the end of March and then in April they'll manage through and maybe move on to credit cards. But if it goes through into May, then people hmm. literally won't have, have money to put food on the table. Hmm. Now, I'm sure that landlords are going to have to accept no one's going to be moving out if they can't afford to pay the rent because where could they move to? And so sure. landlords would have to be forgiving to some degree. But what, what do those people do? Look, I, I mean, it's a very difficult situation. I mean, what we're seeing across uh, different countries and different areas is the government stepping up. And, you know, you and I are both from UK and we've seen what the government's doing there with regards to um, stepping in and, and saying that they'll cover up to 80% of people's salaries. Uh, in the US, they're giving out um, they're giving out checks. I just saw this morning in Saudi, oh, yeah. they're stepping in um, with a large uh, stimulus 60, package 60%, to help. I think, yeah. yeah, I think 60%. You're right. Um, I'm not. Sure, I haven't heard anything uh, locally here yet, but you know, perhaps that's coming. Um, 
but those, those are still, I think, few and far between. Those are economies that can, that can afford to do that as well. I think we've got a bigger issue in, in other economies, um, certainly much larger economies. You know, what, what might India do with 1.3 billion people? Um, and, you know, and how is that, how is the mechanics of that even work? Um, so it's something, it's, it's, I think it's going to be, it, it's, it's a major issue for everybody because even in the countries we just mentioned, they'll only be able to do that. I think they're talking about two to three months in, in most cases. Uh, if there's any um, ongoing, uh, let's say, uh, hangover from this and that, you know, that it keeps happening, are, are those governments still going to keep paying that? How long can they keep doing it for? How, how far can they drive that deficit? Um, so it's, it, it's a very difficult situation. And to be honest, I, I don't have the answers. So when, when we look at the media side of things, then you mm. talked about having your messaging on point, to, you know, yeah. empathetic and show that you care with the people that are sick. Is there not a, an argument that says you need to have your messaging on point for the other part of the population as well that, that, are, that are frustrated? Yeah, I mean, when, I, when I'm talking about being, um, being empathetic to what's going on, I mean, this is where social media really comes into its own, I think, because the... Never before in history have we been able to to understand what our customers uh, want um, and what they're saying, uh, what their feelings are, what their sentiment is, uh, like we do now. We've got many, many tools that we can analyze uh, our social audiences. Many, many large brands have huge followings that gives them uh, huge test bases um, uh, to, to allow them to use those tools to understand sentiment, what's being said in their market, and therefore then how to communicate to them. So I think it starts with with listening like you've never listened before, really leveraging the tools that brands have. And if they don't have listening tools, they should get something in place as soon as possible. Because if they get that wrong, as we've said earlier, um, it can be very damaging to the brand. But there's real opportunity for brands to step in and offer real value if they understand what their community wants. It's very difficult to sit in a boardroom or, or let's say a, a Zoom meeting room at this point and really work out, okay, how do we add value to our customers if we're not, if we're not really in tune with exactly what it is that, they're, that they're, their wants and needs are. So once we've understood that, and those are, there's different markets as well, right? You, obviously through targeting, you can speak to different, different segments of your community in different ways. Um, but as long as all of them have that empathetic feel, uh, there's, there's, there's a way of a brand really coming to the table and really building brand equity at the same time as also um, being able to drive business, not from, not from a, um, not from a cashing in perspective, but if you're adding real value and you've got a product to sell um, that can add real value, there, there's ways of being able to position that without it being crass or, uh, or, or sort of intrusive in that way. Um, so I think brands need to understand that, but it's, it, it is a very fine line. And I think this is where social media Com strategy all really come into their own because if you get it right, it can be excellent for your brand and you can build through this and you can come out the other side. Hopefully towards the end of the year, then we're going to start to see you know, real growth in the second half of the year. Once we get through this, we have to be optimistic that, that we're going to get through this um, in the next few months uh, because the, you know, the, the, the flip side to that isn't really worth thinking about. Agreed. In, in, in the days of social media, we now see people talking an awful lot more about personal branding so not the big brands but smaller whether it's smes or individuals that run smes that mm. I, and i and i obviously produce a lot of content myself so i'm working hard at trying to build my personal brand to establish myself but mm -hmm. do a great how, job thank you very much and how big an opportunity is this for people right now that are stuck at home to be able to do something like that look there's Never before have we had as much time on our hands as we do now because there's no commuting anymore. 
Um, meetings are generally exactly on time. They don't overrun as much. I'm sure you'll have noticed that as well, that you know, if there's a meeting in, in the diary at two, whereas before sometimes if it was an internal meeting in the office, oh, we're trying to grab people and I'll, I'll finish and I'll join you. Now everything's very, very punctual. So what we're, what we're seeing, and there is a flip side to this, which I'll get onto in a minute, is that the, the well-run organizations are actually being able to get through a, a huge amount of work in, in, in the day. Now there is risk of burnout for the team for this. There's risk of not being able to switch off because your sofa is next to your workstation. Um, and it all just kind of blends into one from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. Um, however, um, focusing, on, um, focusing on like no, really uh, understanding or owning your day, that's probably the best way to, to, to sort of position it. We're in a, we're in a, we have an opportunity now where we can, we can control the time we wake up. We don't have to um, get ready to go for work, drive to work, uh, all the niceties, the, the time that's not necessarily wasted, but the time it's taken up doing other things before you're actually becoming functional. Now we can wake up, quick shower, and you can be ready to go. You probably just bought yourself 45 minutes to an hour already. If you do that towards the end of the day, and if you're a little bit more um, aligned with your calendar during the day as well, you're probably finding two to three hours in your day. Um, that you probably didn't have, have before. Uh, so there is a real opportunity if you've got something to say. And this, this, is, um, this is also critical for those that are thinking about you know, building uh, a personal brand. What value are you putting out? The points that we mentioned earlier around you know, tonality and making sure that we're on point, we're empathetic, we're, we're listening to, to, to our audience, they apply to a large brand like Nike just as much as they do to you or me or, or, or anybody else. You know, if, if we're trying to you know, full tilt and hard sell somebody through a video and putting that out right now, and that's, that's just not a great it's not great positioning. It's not, it's not where you want to be. And um, if you're empathetic and you say, look, here are a few things that I've learned along the way. And um, here are, here are tips that to help you. Um, I've also got this that might be able to support you as well. If it's positioned in the right way and you've got something of real, real value to say, then I think we've got all the time in the world and all you need is a tripod and a, and a phone and a zoom call and, and away you go. Yeah, I think you're right. Do you, do you think that, um, being here in this part of how long have you been in Dubai for? uh 14 years okay so similar to me and you say you're 37 yes so nearly all of your working career yeah i came straight from university to here you did yeah so yeah. in in the future do you think you'd ever get kind of like pigeonholed into being an expert in the middle east and would find it hard to transition into other parts of the world in in a way i think that there's there's two, there's two sides to it. Um, if you're talking about, if you're asking the question to me as, a, as, as, as Tom, then yeah. look, I think the skill set around digital media, digital marketing is very transferable to any, um, to any region. So in terms of understanding how to find an audience, how to position a product in front of them, how to do content creation, as, as, as you and I have spoke about earlier, and how to create all of those things. Um, I think that, that is quite transferable to other markets. If you're talking to me individually as a business owner, in terms of trying to grow a business, then as you well know, your network is everything. So it's understanding you know, who's in which positions and where, where, you know, how that all comes together, what value you can add to them, how they help you later on. All of that sort of um, interconnected uh, ecosystem that, that you're part of, that I'm part of, that adds real value to the ability to be able to, to build a company. So for me to go and, I don't know, jump on a plane, go to New York, it'd be very difficult to start up a company there and to actually build something significant. I'd like to think I could do it, but it would take me a lot longer um, until I'd built up some sort of a network. Whereas here locally, I think that there's, it's, there's such an opportunity in Dubai to, um, 
to build a business, to be an entrepreneur. I think the network is very accessible. Uh, we're still we're still in a big city, but it's a small town um, in terms of you know how to network, how to engage with the right people. Um, it's it's a, it's an incredible place, and I, you know I think that there, there's real there is real opportunity here more so than in many many other developed uh, countries. I've got, as you well do, I'm sure I've got a lot of friends that are in business in in London, other parts of UK, and uh, different parts of Europe, and the issues that they're facing. Um, there's a mentality shift. It's 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 very. Every, the, the, the mentality here is if, if there's an opportunity, take it, build on it. Um, there's, there's, there's real value to be added. I mean, the, the entire environment we live in is, is almost a startup ecosystem. The whole of Dubai is. I mean, it's, it's Dubai is two minutes. Yeah. There we go. It's two minutes, it's two minutes old, right? I mean, where, you know, where, we, where we live and um, uh, new developments, new malls, new everything. Everything is just like it's, it's one large ecosystem of a startup on a macro scale. Now, if you're trying to start a business, then where, where can you possibly be that's more exciting than that? Fair point. Fair point. How do you get your clients? And um, to be honest, the the network and word of mouth. Fourteen years of being in Dubai. Um, so in the early days, a lot of it was um, personal network. I was involved in rugby clubs, uh, different sports clubs, and it was it was through that. Um, and then I'd say about five years ago, there started to be a bit of a shift where we had a few other agency partner relationships. We were starting to like. We were really focused specifically on digital. Uh, we stopped doing a few other things. Uh, we became a lot more referable because we were specializing. Uh, and the more we did that, the more referable we came. And this is when we were 15 people, 20 people. Um, and we were working with a few other key uh, larger brand agencies and they would send us work. So when I started to realize, oh, well, if I have a few of these relationships, that's all the sales done for me. Because if they've got 10 clients each, you know, and every so often this client needs something, that client, all of a sudden you know, our phone's ringing. So we built the business off the back of that. and then. Um, I'd say the last uh, the last few years, I'd say four four years or so, five years or so, it would be a, it's been a, a mostly word of mouth. So we get emails from um, just just coming in through the website, or someone contacts us. Uh, working for the likes of Expo has, has really helped. We've been working with them for over two years now. Uh, so as the social agency for Expo, that, that's given us a lot of exposure within the government. We do a lot of work with um, uh, with DCT and Abu Dhabi. Again, organisations that have so many different verticals and so many different departments and organizations within them and um, you do a good job in one and that becomes very referable so we started working with um with them two years ago and we've picked up you know a lot of work across uh, departments of culture and tourism and then uh, same in, in dubai you can never underestimate the value of referrals can you they're so critical oh, in business I, so many people just oh. gen genuinely smashing out you know ppc campaigns or running ads here there yeah. and everywhere but but not understanding the critical benefit of a referral and lots of people struggling at the moment and hmm. i had three new clients come on board in the last 10 days and i'm like how do you know about me well we, we see your content we follow what you do um yeah. so it's that kind of no like and trust people say good things about you. And so that, that's so, so important. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad Definitely. that that's, I'm glad that that's how you do your business. Cause to me, that's how it yeah. should be done. T and, tell me and, how, how was, sorry. how was um, being as involved as you are with Expo uh, 2020? How mm. was the, the, cause I was asked this question this morning. And I don't really have the right answer. How is it going to affect us positively at being delayed for a year? And, is it all it's cracked up to be? Because there's obviously a lot of, a lot of talk out there in the marketplace, positive and negative talk about it. Mm. So yeah, you, you're, you've got your finger on the pulse there. So tell us more about it. Well, look, certainly I'll just caveat anything I say with, with the fact that I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you from experience um, a few of the things that I am aware of. Uh, I, I don't know any more than, than you do with regards to 
the announcements, we you know we've got the same information uh, with regards to um, the suggested dates now being uh, the 1st of October 2021. So we're looking forward to that. Um, however, when it comes to your second point around, you know, is it all, all it's cracked up to be? 100% yes. Uh, we've been working, I mean, I've got a, a dedicated team of six people that, that, that work on that account and have done for the last, um, the last 18, 18 months on social and then we were doing some work previously. And what's being created there is going to be incredible. I mean, we've got some of the world's best minds coming together um, to create experiences like you've never seen. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that the timing has come the way that, that it is because we were just starting to get into a space where we were telling people what they're actually going to see. So it's been what you'll have seen if you look at just the last even three to six weeks of content prior to all of this happening, you'll start to see the content um, there's a real shift in this is what you're going to see. This is what you'll, we were starting to take snippets of content that we have that we were just starting to tease towards right now, you know, we're going forwards with tickets and et cetera, et cetera. So we were just getting into that phase. So it's a real shame. I think if we, if this had been two months down the line, you'd have, you'd have seen a lot more. Um, because what is being created there, I mean, the, the experiences inside the, the sustainability pavilion, the opportunity pavilion, the, what, what's being created inside there is, I mean, I'm telling, I mean, to put it into context, I'm telling my family that they have, well, obviously it's changing now, that we need to do a family holiday. They need to bring the kids. Everybody's coming to Dubai rather than me go and visit there or we go fly off somewhere. But they all have to come here because they need to see everything that's going on at Expo and it's going to take them a week to get around it. Um, I, you know, that fully invested in it. And that's not just from a, a, a corporate conversation perspective. I, I can assure you it's from a personal perspective as well. What they're doing there is, is going to be incredible. In terms of how, how um, you know, what, what impact is this decision going to make in terms of pushing it? They didn't have a, a, an option at this point. I mean, if you take the Olympics has been pushed, um, uh, Wimbledon's been pushed, you know, there are many, many events. So it's, it's the right decision. Uh, how it will impact uh, everything is, it, no, it remains to be seen, but we're going to have more time to build towards something that's going to be that incredible. When, you know, the timelines, yes, everyone was working flat out 100 miles an hour to make sure that everything was, was ready and was going to be shiny for the opening. Uh, now we've got more time to focus on it. So we can relook at a few things. There's a few projects that we were just starting now um, from a content perspective that now we can actually take a step back and say, right, well, you know, we had a few hundred videos for a certain area that we were, we were working on. And now we can relook at that and say, right, well, is this the best approach? Is this the, be is this the best team? Can we bring you know, additional people on that to really like, make, it, make, it, make it a stronger output? And I know every single supplier will be able to do that now. And so we've all got that much more time to really analyze you know, where we're up to. So from that perspective, um, it's going to create an even better event. Excellent. It sounds really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Right. Honestly, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing what's going on in there. Do, do, you, do, you only, do you only deal with big organizations now or do you deal with SME businesses too? Uh, some SMEs, but to be honest, uh, in the last, uh, I'd say the last... 24 months, we've, we, we have pivoted into more government entities. Um, we're working over in, in Saudi with three government entities now, uh, same Abu Dhabi and Dubai. We do bring on some, uh, some SMEs, um, but mostly we're, we're working government level and in larger organizations. Uh, we just feel that the, 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 the way that we're structured, it's, uh, we have more value to, to add to those entities when we can afford to bring all of those together you know we've got we've got some very very smart digital strategists we've got a performance division we've got a full content team that can produce 
know, TVC quality content where we've shot global campaigns for Emirates. Now, because of that, because of the investment we've put into those, or the people that we have, the, let's say the equipment and the people we have in production, because of the investment, obviously that comes with uh, a certain um, price point, as, as, as you will well know from your selling um, selling strategies and, and conversations we, we have to we have to hit a certain point for it to all make sense now over the years when we were much smaller and we hadn't invested in all of those people our price point was that much lower now because of all of those investments to, for it to to even just make sense financially for us we have to be at a certain point now one of the things that we do because um i, I fully believe in the startup ec ecosystem here in dubai I, you know, I, I come from it this business started on a desk no bigger than the one that i'm sat at now um and you know, we've moved into into, into offices with studios and, and we've been able to build something that's the, the, that we're proud of. But I know how difficult it is getting things off the ground in the beginning. So we work with a few um, few brands at, at no charge that, um, that have just come in just within our kind of community of people. Uh, there's, there's one that's an incredible um, eco products, cleaning, cleaning products for, for, the, for the house. And everything's made with like olive oil and, and lemongrass. And it's just, it's an incredible product. Um, and she does an amazing job and, and it's a, it's, it's a mum that's just doing it from her kitchen. So we've had her in and I've brought in my head of social media, head of strategy, and we'll do a full session with her and we're like, right, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do it. Go and do this, go buy that system, go and do this. And we're not selling her anything. We're just giving her advice and then saying, look, off you go, come back in you know, two to three weeks. Once, once these things have been done, we'll see how we can help you set up your ads or whatever it might be. Um, so we, we, we're doing a few of those sort of things just because it, it also makes us feel good. And I think it's important for, for brands to give back as soon as they're able to. And you know how it is with small businesses. You go through that, that quite dragged out phase of, I just need to survive. And then once you get through that survival phase, of that might be one to two to three years of a business of just getting to the point where, you don't feel like you're going to go under every, every month or every quarter. Yeah. Then you get to a point where you're like, oh, I've actually got a bit of stability here. You've hired a few people that are able to do things better than you can. You start to get that stability and then you can start focusing on growth. And then when you get through to growth, you get through a bit of a stage of that and you're like, oh, actually, I've got a bit of revenue now. So strategically, where should I go? Then you've got to think strategy and then you kind of navigate. And when you get to that certain point, I think it's really important to look back and say, well, I've been through all of that. And some of that was really tough times. You're talking... No, I mean, I, I, I shared a room with my best mate in a villa share because we could only afford one, um, <laughs> one uh, amount of rent between the two of us. And that was all going on a credit card anyway. So I've eaten shawarmas every day for dinner for six weeks because we could only afford 10 dirhams. I've been through all of that. Um, and I think it's important when you, get, when you get to a point where you're able to give back in one way or another to try and find um, ways, ways of doing that. We can't do everything, but in certain areas we, we can. Mm, really interesting times. I'm sure you've got lots of fond memories from those struggles as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been back to that uh, that eat and drink a few times and, and sat there and thought, wow, a few years ago I was sat here with uh, with yeah with nothing. Um, so it's 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 nice to be able to um, to just give back to the community and and you know just add value where we can. You know, that, and that's what it's what you do. It's what you do in all of your content. I mean, you've been hammering that content. I know how much work goes into creating the content that you put out. It's not an easy job. It doesn't, no, it doesn't just happen. Uh, it takes time. It takes investment. It takes, it takes a lot of energy. And, and it's, you know, you get, you get to the point where you're like, right, well, now I can use my platform to help people, whether it's my company doing services for, you know, for low cost, whether it's you inviting somebody on to help grow visibility of their business, whether it's Chris Fade, for example. I've loved, I loved what he's doing with, with small businesses now, just offering his, uh, his social media channels, which you know, highly, highly engaged with. Um, very, very relevant to the local market. And he's offering 
um, uh, pretty much any any small brand that can just message him and give him a video and he'll post it on his channels, on his stories, uh, just to try and give visibility to small retailers. So that you know, there's, there's ways that all of us, when we when we can, must must give back. Talk to me about the, the, that's essentially you've been doing some mentoring for other people yourself. Tell me about mentors that you've had in your time. Um, certainly. So I think there's there's different um, there's different types of mentors in different areas and at different sort of time frames as well. Uh, I can think back to different people at different times in my life that, that I've certainly looked up to. Um, there's kind of, there's two sides to it. One I think is almost having like a, a virtual board of directors, I think is, is really important as well. And that's something that, that I focused on in, in the early days. I've got a, a couple of friends that are, that are both here and remote that, um, that I'll jump on. A call. I've actually got in two hours, uh, I've got a call with a, a Zoom call with a, a friend of mine who used to be my, my flatmate and is now the CFO for, you know, a, a billion euro company in in uh, in Germany, and he's somebody from a financial perspective is so far up in the stratosphere of understanding finances, and I'm so far down here somewhere, I'm just trying to piece it together on my Excel spreadsheet. Um, fortunately, I've got somebody smarter than me to to do that for me now. Um, but it's uh, being able to kind of find those people that 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 I feel that I can add value to in in one way or another, and certainly receive the value that that I need to. So it's creating almost a, that virtual board of directors where you say, right, well. These five people, these four people, I, I fully trust them. Um, they're very good at what they do, far better than, than, than I am. Uh, and I'd like to create a, a room with them because I feel I can add value to them in some area or another. And together we'll, we know, we'll, we'll bounce ideas around. So there's been, um, I've really focused on that over the years. Uh, I've had mentors, as I said, in, in, in different areas. And I think it's, it's very, very important to, to, to find those people, either one or the other, as early on as possible, because uh, uh, many of them have been through it. And, that, and uh, you should only take advice from someone that's either done what you're trying to do or has a very unique perspective um, that, that provides value to, to um, let's say, the decision that you're trying to, trying to make to give you a different perspective. So um, I think that, that side of it is very important because we're all going to make mistakes on this journey. We're all trying to navigate in one way or another. So if you can find somebody that's either made the mistake or knows why that will be a mistake for whatever information they have is that's different to yours and um, it's just it, it's critical not to not to think that you know it all not to think that you can work it all out and um, you don't need to uh, especially in this day of, i mean 20 years if we were locked in this room in our rooms now because of uh, the situation that we're dealing with we'd be sat here with our own thoughts maybe a few books and um, trying to work out how to how to run the business from a, from a telephone now you and i can jump on a call we can have a chat about anything i might be stuck on a you know let's say a sales funnel problem and and you're the guy to speak to and say look how how, how should i navigate this i'm not sure what to do you might need some advice with regards to some digital marketing and might give me a call and we can jam like this and, and it happens um right at the end of our fingertips just pick up our phone and away we go so we have to use the tools that are, are available to us and and as long as as long as you're coming from a good place and, and, are you, and you're empathetic and you can really add, really add value to the world, there's no problem with asking for it back when you need it. And that's the, some of the issue that some of us face, especially if we're entrepreneurs, we're used to being in a leadership position, actually putting your hand up and, and asking and saying, you know what, I've actually got a bit of a problem here. I'm phoning someone and like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I've got these three options in front of me. They all look bad. Like, help. And, 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 I, and I urge people, especially entrepreneurs in a, in, in a time like this, that Many of, many of us and, and many of us in this position, it can get quite lonely in terms of trying to understand um, 
that yes, there's a lot of pressure right now. It's very easy to be an entrepreneur when everything's roses and, and the sales are coming in. As you well know, it's easy. All you've got to do is you have it, you've got revenue coming in and you're just positioning it in different ways. And if you make a mistake, it's okay because there's more coming in and you can plaster over it. And hopefully those mistakes don't bring the house down. But most of, most of it is, is it's a fairly easy process. Be nice to people, be empathetic, uh, create a nice environment to, to work in. When things like this happen and all of a sudden your revenue drops by 50% in a month and, and nobody saw that coming, now you're really tested. Now your leadership is tested. Now your resolve is tested. Now your levels of stress tolerance are tested. Um, your stomach is tested. Now, is this the right strategy? Are you making the right decisions? Are you able to make the, the, the difficult decisions that might be very, very hard to make, but you know that for the greater good, you have to be able to do these things. And it becomes very, very lonely when you're in that space. So um, it's important for entrepreneurs that might not have a support system around them to, yeah. to find one quickly. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think a lot of time they don't. A lot, of, a lot of people right now will be sitting on their own <clears throat> in some aspect of despair. Um, mm. Some people have had to make people redundant recently because the number one objective is yeah. to try and keep that business going. And so, yeah. you know, making you know, and, and tough sometimes. Some some people don't like conflict either. So, they, you know, something will be in their mind going over and over again, and they know they probably need to get rid of X mm. percentage of the team, but because they're loyal and they've been with them for some time it's kind of a tough decision and um and but you you have to literally be business-like at times like this mm. and there's, there's no better way than to have a group of people around you that 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 can can remind you of that okay yeah. because if you're not it's it is it is a dark and lonely and empty place i couldn't agree with you more mm. talk to me about yeah. you you the, the the person not the professional you you're you're a bit of a i mean as i said in the intro earlier on a bit of a nutter when it comes to the whole um the marathon de Saab and stuff just describe what it is for our audience and then tell me why you chose sure. to do it twice of all things <laughs> um so the marathon de Saab is a 250 kilometer foot race across the sahara desert uh it's uh, it takes place over five days so you run uh, to about six marathons over five days and you carry everything that you need uh for seven days on your back so you're carrying a backpack as small as possible as light as possible um, and they don't give you anything apart from water for those um uh, for those uh, what, seven days in total uh, so it's it's pretty it's pretty intense as you can imagine you're sleeping rough on the floor they basically put a um almost like one of those uh, like, a, like a, a carpet of sorts like a hessian sack almost on the floor um and a, and a, and a shade that's propped up over you it's not it's not a tent because it's all open um, and you sleep under that each night uh, and you run across the sahara desert and it's one of the most it is one of the most incredible experiences that 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 anybody can ever have. It's the most humbling experience. Um, it brings together a thousand people. Uh, when I did that uh, in 2015, the first one, it brings together a thousand people and you don't talk about work. You don't talk about what you do. It doesn't matter what your background is, what, what any, any of it. It's just everybody is at exactly the same position. You're just a runner. You're sat on your ass in the sand and you've got to get across 250 kilometers. And that's all you talk about. It's all, it's the, it's the only thing that happens. It's the only thing that matters. And it's, um, it changed. Uh, I know it sounds, it sounds a bit sort of maybe a, a bit dramatic to say it changed my life, but but it, it really really did in in terms of the way of thinking. I've never had such clarity of thought as nothing else matters apart from continuing to move forward. It's the only thing you've got to get to that that finish line for the day, and the only things the only things that matter are the things that will stop you from doing that. So you don't think about anything else outside of the Sahara. It's you. You've got your backpack sweating like hell, Sahara sun, 
you're in the sand and you just got to keep moving and you just keep focusing on moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. And it's small steps repeated over and over again with one singular focus. Now, if you'd said to me a few years earlier that no, you, at some point I wasn't a runner, I played rugby for many years, but I was never a runner, um, that you're going to run across the Sahara Desert and it's going to be 250 kilometers, you can do these things. I was absolutely no way. This, this, um, I just, I can't even fathom that. I try and run 3K and I'm, you know, I'm out of breath. But it was that understanding of of how, just that 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 mindset of of focus, of understanding what what the goal is, and having having an overarching goal that's so powerful that it scares you, and it scares you into action. Uh, you, you know, we've just spoken off camera with regards to yourself doing the the South Pole, um, and you, you've got something in your head. You know you're going to do it. And you know that you're not the person now that you need to be in order to achieve that goal. And that scares you because you think, well, if I had to do it today, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. I might die out there. Not all, everything's going through your head. So you just think, shit, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I've got to do this. There's no, I am getting up at five and at 5.30, I'm going to do this session and I'm going to keep doing it because I'm actually scared that if I don't do it, things are not going to work out too well for me when I get to where I'm going to go. So it really, it really taught me the power of goal setting, not fluffy goal setting, really big goals, really powerful goals. And, and it, it then I realized that a, that, a, that a large goal is just a framework for decision-making. It's a yes, no framework. So if you've got that goal, everything that comes into your path, yes, does it get me closer? No, it doesn't. Okay, I'm not going to do it then. So that comes down to, let's take in this case, um, going out with friends as much, spending as much time socializing, and all the other things that I'd like to do, but does it get me closer to that goal? No, okay, well, I'm not going to do yeah. it then. And then you just, it's being able to stay in that space. And if you can really focus all of your actions or at least 80, 90% of them within that framework of decision-making to get yourself closer to that goal, man, there's nothing that you can't do. And, and that's, what, that's what changed it. It changed my business when I got back because I started setting big goals in business and saying like, I, I, there's nothing that I can't do. So if I want to create um, a, an agency that spans across the whole region and has 500 people in it, I know I can do it if I set the goal and I work out backwards from that goal to today, what do I need to do tomorrow? And what do I need to do on Wednesday? And what do I need to do the next day? And just keep going, keep going, keep going. I've seen the power of those small steps with one singular focus where it can take you. Now, we're quite a few years on from, uh, from 2015 when I did that first race. And it's, it's not a coincidence at all that in 2015, it was a small business, didn't have that much focus. It's kind of, we had nine people in the business. We we're doing a bit of this, a bit of that, mostly digital, but a little bit, no, we weren't, we weren't really focused. And now there's a team of 86 people. I've got incredible business partners on board. Um, we've opened offices in Abu Dhabi and Saudi. And we're, we're growing the company rapidly. And that all comes from goal setting, a core focus, and now bringing people on that journey to understand the same vision as to where we want to go and making that a shared vision, not just my vision. It's our vision and it's our goal. And then together we work towards it. So it's, um, it's powerful, mate. It's a, uh, is that, so it's, almost, it's almost like some form of therapy, isn't it? It's almost like, like that. Yeah. And is, is that partially a reason why you went back and did it again? Um, yeah, it is actually. I, um, I had such an incredible experience on the first one that, I mean, when, when in our lives now, and you're probably going to experience it on your trip, where your phone is off for a week, nobody can contact you for a week, and you're in the middle of nowhere, and you don't know what's going on, and you don't care. You're in the middle of, but we, were, we, we got, to put it into context, we arrived into an airport on the outskirts of, I don't know where, in Morocco, a town called Wazawate, something like that. I always mispronounce it. We then got on buses for 10 hours 
into the Sahara. So we were on a remote airport that we had to charter a plane to get to, and then 10 hours on a bus. And then we get off a bus onto four by fours, and then half an hour on four by fours to camp one. And then we ran 250 kilometers from that point. So you can imagine when I say we were, in, we were on the moon, we were in places that I, I, I would bet only a handful of humans had been. We were so far away. Um, so we were that remote and that disconnected from the rest of the world. And it, it was therapeutic. It was just a complete decompression of, of everything that we thought was important, just melting away into, into nothing. I mean, I noticed, I think it was like the fifth day or sixth day. And we got, the, we, we got eight people. So that little Hessian sack tent thing I told you about, there's eight people like, lying like sardines in each one of these tents. And these are random people, apart from myself and my mate Marcus. So you meet these people on day one, you become very close, obviously. You're literally lying next to the guy, he's there and he's there. Um, and you become very close to these people. And I think it was five, six days in, we think you're spending 24 hours a day with these people. I think it was like six, six days in before anybody even said like, so what, what, do, you, what do you do? Like, what, what do you do back in the real world? Like, nobody cared what people's jobs were. And then we took find one guy's a fireman, the other guy's a carpenter, you know, one guy's, um, you know, just all, all different roles. It was just, it was incredible. So that, that was the bug for me from a personal perspective. It was the bug for, for endurance running. So I've done a lot of um, marathons since then. Um, the, the, the most, uh, yeah, so the, the, the toughest one I've ever done was last, was November before last. So just over a year ago. Um, it was actually down in Oman. Uh, it was called um, the UTMB by Oman. It was 140 kilometers nonstop. So where the 250K was split over five days, this was 140K non-stop um, and it was through the mountains of, of, of Oman, the Hajar mountains and the elevation that we covered over those 140 hours was um, just over 8,000 meters so it's almost the height of Everest when you add up all of the elevation so you can imagine the, mm. um, the, yeah, the, da the damage that, that did to the, to the body and mind so that was um, in terms of therapy I think I was it took me uh, I was awake for 56 hours uh, and I was racing for 42 hours uh, non-stop so that was um, I tell yeah, you what, what, what you're describing it really resonates with me. And whilst I haven't done mm. crazy adventure races like that, when I, when I climb, so whether, whether it's something mm. simple like Kili or out in you know, Chiburatsu and Cotopaxi in Ecuador or wherever it is that yeah. I've climbed, yeah. I, I'm at one with the environment that I'm in. Nothing mm -hmm. else matters. Nothing is relevant. Yeah. Okay. The people yeah. that I'm with have relevance and the adventure takes all of my thoughts and exactly there isn't a feeling better than that in the world that I've ever experienced. And so uh, I, I, whilst I can't comprehend running two marathons a day for six or seven days, because I think that's nuts. Um, what, it's yeah, the same thing. What you're saying is hundred percent right. It's, it's, and, and it does make you think it, it certainly made me think number one, how important certain things might be or might not be in life. Um, yeah. But also the, the fact that, that you actually can that there are ways to be able to take your your mind and control how you think what you think and how you can yep. deliver upon some form of objective you know i'm very goal focused myself once mm. i have a goal and i'm committed to that goal I do exactly the same as you so it's very similar yeah I, I break it down work backwards and now i work out what i've got to do today and that's all, all, yep. all that matters is what do i need to do today so it's really interesting even though it's much more extreme learning um, about you doing this kind of stuff and the impact it mm. then has on your business again because I bang on yeah. about it every day just the yeah, simple stuff so like 
get up, go for a walk, get up, go for a run, get up, go and do something, you know, get yourself into some form of exercise that can push you. And because and, I think it, it's so important to feed your mind those types of endorphins too, because they yep. create much more of a can do, will do mindset than a lot yeah. of people you find, which is, uh, you know, what if, if only, or maybe we shouldn't, it's risky type of theory. Yeah, look, I, th I think it's no coincidence the, um, uh, the percentage of MDs, CEOs, those in leadership positions that are into uh, endurance cycling, um, Ironman triathlon, uh, endurance running, uh, you, you, you do find a lot of those characters in those spaces um, because they're, they're, they're goal focused and they understand the benefits of, of being goal focused in, in the personal lives, whether that be whether through relationships, whether it's um, from a health and fitness perspective, but then also in the, um, in, in the, in the, in the business space. I mean, the, the, the mindset of an athlete and the mindset of an entrepreneur are very, very similar. You've got to have discipline. You've got to have goals. You've got to be self-reliant at, at times. You've got to be self-accountable. Um, you've, you've got to have complete ownership of the outcome. It's not about playing a victim's mentality. It's about owning the outcome. Whatever the situation might have happened, it's happened. Now it's your job to move on. And, and build from there. So it's, there are many similarities b between the two. And I think that that's why you see so many uh, high performing business leaders are also um, you know, doing a lot in the, in the health and fitness space. It's uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one and the other. It's, I mean, for, it just becomes life. It's just the, how you approach life, whether, whether we're having a conversation from a business perspective or I'm on the phone with my, my running coach, it's, it's all the same stuff. It's the same goal setting. It's the same process. How do we achieve this goal? We need to do A, B, C, and D. Uh, it's all it's all the same thing. And I and it, I, the the content that you put out is excellent in, in the way that you know, you're you are telling that story consistently and, and trying to get people to listen and to understand. I mean, so one of the things that I've done in the past is is given um, uh, books to to my senior team and at the agency. And one of those is um, Jocko Willink's. Um, uh, got the name slips on mine now. Uh, it's over here somewhere. Ownership, extreme ownership. There we go. Extreme oh, okay. ownership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know that? Do you know that book? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was his first one. The second one was Dichotomy of Leadership, mm -hmm. um, and both of those books talk about owning the outcomes. I mean, it's from a military perspective, but he's taken that military perspective. He was a, you know, a Navy, a Navy SEALs commander in Iraq, and he's taken that into the business space and there's a lot of consulting and uses those lessons from uh, from from war and from um, you know military leadership into the boardroom and this is how you can engage in this way this is how to make those difficult decisions and um, because you no know, they're making far more difficult decisions than we are because the decisions they make you know you said okay maybe um ha having to let somebody go or you know some of the things that business leaders are facing now i think a book like that is even more powerful because they're making decisions where people might die you know we're not making those decisions they're very difficult decisions in the context of our lives but they're not to the extent of somebody might die if we make these decisions. So um, there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from people that are making decisions in a much more yeah. um, uh, a, a volatile environment, let's say. Um, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same philosophy. Uh, it's, understanding, it's understanding and being empathetic to the person you're, you're engaging with, understanding their perspective. Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. Tell me, lastly, before we finish, what do you think of podcasts? I think they're excellent. We've got a, we've got a podcast. You've got a podcast. Um, we do the creator sessions, which uh, we'll have to return the favor and get you on ours. Um, so when we're, when we're back in the office, we, we shoot once a week in the, uh, in the office with entrepreneurs and, and creators. Um, and we've, yeah, we've seen, we've seen great visibility from it. We've, uh, we've had clients phone up because they've uh, come across the podcast. We do same as you. We video it as well. We chop that up into one minute bite size clips. Uh, if somebody says something that's really interesting, then we'll, 
we'll cut that, let's say one, one minute 50 out and we'll put subtitles to it. So we create that content in the same way that you tell your clients to. Uh, and it's, it's been probably the best thing that we've ever done from a marketing perspective is tying in the podcast with, um, with, a, uh, with, with a video. And, and actually just on that, because it brings it back, loops it all the way back around to relevance of COVID and the situation that we're in. Two of the proposals that we've just delivered to one is an existing client and one is now a new client because of having this conversation. They follow us uh, as, as in uh, Create Media on our social channels and they see what we're doing for our team uh, from an internal communications perspective. We're really focusing on the mental health element. We're doing Zoom lunches where we send everybody credit on Deliveroo. Uh, we're doing a whole bunch of things to create a framework during the week that really focuses on bringing everybody together and, and allowing us to kind of really batten down the hatches and, and, and fight this, get, get through this situation together. So one um, ex-client has been watching this, phoned us, and within the last week, they've asked us to put a full, I mean, this is a 650-person company across three continents, for context. We've just built out a full internal comms strategy for them with a whole list of deliverables that we're now going to be delivering on. It's helping them to create content in different communities. We're going to bring it together, edit that, tell stories, um, live stream the CEO, all these things, bring it all together. We've, we've built out this full um, action plan for internal communications during the time of, of COVID off the back of them watching us doing our podcast and, and, uh, and the other things that we do from an internal comms perspective. So internal communications is absolutely critical during times of crisis. Um, and focusing on creating podcasts, focusing on uh, you know, um, live stream videos with the, with the CEO so that so the teams can actually you know, engage and ask questions directly and, and have that direct channel uh, is, is super important. And we're really seeing that grow in one government entity and this other uh, semi-government entity that we're now wor working with. So there's a, there's a pivot. Magic, fantastic stuff. Tom, I really, really appreciate you taking time to come and talk to us. I know we went on a little bit, but I found it fascinating. But thank you so much for taking your time. How do people get hold of you guys? Um, so talk to us at createmedia-group.com um, is, uh, is, is the email on the website. Um, you can hit us up through the website. We're very active on social media. So at Create Media Group uh, on pretty much every channel. Uh, myself is at at Tom Otten, O-T-T-O-N. Uh, I'm very active on, uh, on Instagram. I'm more and more active on LinkedIn these days now as well. Uh, so hit me up on, on either of those channels. Uh, it'd be great to hear from, from your listeners. And if there's anything that I can help with, even if it's just a bit of a, a chat and a bit of advice in terms of the direction that they're going in, then I'm, I'm more than happy to, to do that. And failing that, they can bump into you in a fight, I guess. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Matt. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, buddy. Have a great day. Well, there we go. What a fantastic interview with the awesome Tom Otten for him to share his knowledge, his experience, and just keep, keep us in the loop, really, as to what you need to be doing right now and what you need to consider from a media perspective, but also taking into consideration his journey. Wasn't it fascinating to see how these kind of adventure trips, the, the, I mean, to be honest about it, the Marathon de Saba is about, about as extreme as you can get, but taking uh, a, a certain type of sport, a certain type of commitment and dedication and focus on something can then have such a massive impact positively on the business. Now, I know I've spoken about this a lot and maybe you should take the words from me, but if not, take the words from Tom, because for me, it made a difference within businesses that I've run and developed 
Tom is a great example of it doing that as well. So look out for that. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you'd like to know more, then please let us know. Do me a favor, leave me a five-star rating on sound, on, uh, on the iTunes if you can. Um, if not, go to Spotify, leave me some recommendations, some comments, I don't mind. But do me a favor, make sure you tell other people about the podcast because the more people that hear it, the more people can get benefit from it. And that is the aim of what we're trying to achieve here. I'll see you all very soon.